Hello everyone and welcome to the Lunch Hour Sports Podcast. Here with your hosts, Jacob Smedley, Sam Betts, Justin Rehaber, and Nathan Romanoff. Our topics today include the Philadelphia Phillies are going to the World Series and representing the National League, and they will face either the Yankees or the Astros. We'll break it down and how the playoffs have gone so far. And the NFL is approaching the middle of the season. We'll break down who's hot and who's not so far in the season. Now, here is Sam Betts. Sam! What is going on in the city of brotherly love, brother? Jake, I <laughs> am ecstatic. I'm so excited. I never thought this would happen again in my lifetime, but the Phillies have made the World Series for the 2022 season. It is electric. I imagine, Jake, you were walking the streets of Philly here earlier. I mean, I bet it was, I, I, you probably didn't get too close to the action because, you know, they're probably going to be flipping over police cars and causing fires in the middle of the street. But uh, I bet it was an amazing sight to see. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's, People partying in Center City, not too much around Temple's campus here, but, you know, all my roommates, they are there, a bunch of my friends from school, they are down there. I mean, shows my dedication to the podcast, because if I was not doing this, guys, I would be down there living the life, you know, probably downing some alcoholic beverages as well, but, you know, I am here and ready to talk about this team and the rest of the playoffs. Dude, I can't believe it. Well, why don't we just talk about most of us are, I mean, Justin's not really a baseball fan, but I mean, all of us are, all of us have been to a Phillies game before and have experienced the ups and downs of watching them win and watching them lose as well. So kind of how did the Phillies get here? Well, the Phillies started the season off kind of on a rough patch. They had Joe Girardi as their manager. It seems like that was just such a lifetime ago that Joe Girardi was the manager of the Phillies. However, he was relieved of his duties by the bench coach, Rob Thompson, who is a really great baseball mind, actually. He was with Girardi for a lot of the time with with the Yankees and then when he was here with the Phillies as well. But he's such a He's been able to study the game for a long time, has always been like in a minor coaching role, bench coach role, uh, minor league coaching role, and finally got his first chance at being a manager for a big league club. And it took him a while, but he finally got there. And right after he was named the interim manager of the team, the Phillies went to town. They started winning a lot more games. Uh, It seemed like they kind of had a sense of that. Like, we kind of let our first manager down. We're not going to let Rob Thompson down. And they went to work. I mean, they finished the season 87-75. A very respectable record, but... By no means what you would think they would accomplish. No, of course not. I mean, they clinched one of the wild card spots. They clinched the last wild card spot. They were the sixth seed in the playoffs. Uh, we've seen teams in wild cards, wild card spots go to playoffs uh, before, like the whole playoff series change stuff like that happened this year. But I mean, with them becoming the sixth seed, that allowed them to go to the playoffs, and now they're in the World Series too. We've seen so many ups and downs. I know that. All of us, or except for Justin, all of us went and saw them lose their their ten game win streak uh, when they played the Diamondbacks of all teams and lost fourteen to one. It was a very kind of disappointing day. I went and saw them later in the summer where they lost four to one to the Marlins when they had the bases loaded in the ninth and couldn't really do anything about it. But Sam, Sam, hold on a second. All right, when we were there against the Diamondbacks, we were just talking about this. Garrett Stubbs on the mound, a position player. That's when I knew. 
It's like this the backup catch. All right, this is the lowest of the lows. All right, they're gonna bounce back. <laughs> this is exactly, this is exactly what I was thinking. No hyperbole whatsoever. No, but as a Phillies fan in general, watching this team play and then having their stretches of wins and losses and seeing a lot more, focusing a lot more on the losses than the wins, you would have thought this team would have been out of the playoff picture. You wouldn't have even thought they would have been a part of the playoffs. However, they did make it, and they ended up beating the Cardinals, who were the third seed. They swept them in two games out of a three-game series, and they were able to win. They were able to win in St. Louis, too, which is insane. And this Cardinals team was really good. Now, when we were talking about the playoff picture, I believe that was in September, possibly, of who they of who we would want them to play. I did say the Cardinals. And the reason was not that the Cardinals are a bad team, but just because the Phillies didn't had not played them a lot. And I felt like that would have been better for them because if they would have played the Mets, the Mets would have had their number and they would have been out of the they would have been out of the series like no problem. However, they ended up playing the Cardinals. Now, Nolan Arenado, a platinum glove winner, not just a gold glove winner, a platinum glove winner. Also pretty good with the bat. You also had the probable MVP for the NL, Paul Goldschmidt in that lineup too, along with other guys like Tommy Eadman. Uh, Yadier Molina, who's coming into his last season too, along with Adam Wainwright, Albert Pujols, who's able, who was producing a lot toward the end of the season, obviously in his last season too, but able to really kind of get the bat rolling and get his, uh, I believe it was his 700th career home run, or was it 600, Jake? It was 700, right? 700, yeah. 700. 700. I was correct. I think he's right, at yeah. 703 now. 703, 704, yeah, 703. Yeah. It was something like that. But I mean, for them to be able to beat a team like that, I mean, I remember in the first game, Ryan uh, Heasley came in to pitch. I was going to mention the Phillies were losing in that game, and they were it looked like they game. were going to go down one nothing in the series. Yeah, and he was a and Ryan Heasley was an all star, no doubt, but his stuff just was not there that game. They were able to capitalize on a couple easy hits, even getting a ball past Nolan Arenado, like I said, a platinum glove winner, a ball that should have been easily played, and he did not make the play on that ball, and they were able to win that first game and then eventually win the second game and went on in the division, and they even they went against the Padres. With the Padres being... Oh, whoa, 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 hold on now, oh, wait, Sam. Braves, hold on Braves. now. You're skipping around there, man. Getting, You're skipping I'm around. ahead of myself. I'm sorry, <laughs> Braves. They ended up going against the Braves in the NLDS. Uh, the Padres went against the Mets then. Yeah, the Padres went against the Mets. Sam, Sam, hold on. Let me let me explain for the viewers. Explain this. The Phillies explain played this. the Cardinals. I'm, I'm so, the Padres dude, so, played the like, Mets. And then so the Padres played the Dodgers right and the Braves played the Phillies. That's the divisional series. I'm getting I'm I'm too excited. Jake, too I'm excited. so excited right too now. Too excited, Sam. Like I said, I never thought this would happen again so in my lifetime. Good. But Let's continue with the Phillies. The Phillies ended up playing the Braves in that series. Uh, they ended up winning the first game. Braves eventually did take that second game, but I think that really fueled the Phillies up and allowed them to kind of take the next couple of games. Even facing Spencer Strider, who was po- who's possibly in the running for NL Rookie of the Year and had a really great season. In fact, I even remember watching the game where he faced the Phillies earlier in the season and he had their numbers so bad. He was able to just wheel and deal. I think he had double-digit strikeouts that game too. But him coming off, an ob- I believe it was an oblique injury. Uh, he hadn't pitched in a while. Only going, I believe, three and a third and giving up about five runs, I believe. He gave up a lot of home runs. I remember listening to that game on the radio and I was like, this is, this is their chance to go deep in the playoffs. They were able to beat the Braves. 
And then, then recently they just played the Padres. I didn't want to get too ahead of myself. Obviously, I did, and Jake Lee kind of covered for me. Thank you. Of course. Playing the Padres was very interesting. They were able to take game one in San Diego, which is very big. They ended up playing the next three games at Citizens Bank Park, which is insane to me because having that stretch of games at home, that that crowd, I couldn't I I couldn't imagine how loud that would be. All the players watching those interviews, uh, like post game talking about them, they could talk about how loud Citizens Bank Park was for the and not just for the beginning, the entire game. It was just constant loud, constant screaming from the fans. Philly fans are so invested in this point for the for the Phillies that they're probably climbing poles right now, even though they're greased up. They're having a blast in the um, streets right now. But uh, the Phillies did end up losing game two, uh, came to Citizens Bank Park, and they capitalized on that energy from the crowd. Especially tonight. Tonight they were down three to two. It, it looked like it could end up being like a, them going to San Diego and saying, uh, not knowing really what where the series would go. But uh, they took they capitalized it like you said, like you said earlier, Jake Bryce Harper hit that two run home run and clinched it for the Phillies and him becoming NLCS MVP. I would have liked it to give that to Reese. Reese had really Very produced incredible. in the playoff two so home far. runs in Game Four. Incredible uh, stuff from Reese in his last. Eight or nine at bats, having three home runs. I mean, I really would have liked to see him get that. Obviously, Bryce Harper getting it, he definitely deserves it as well, as he did hit the last. That last, he did give those runs to the Phillies to be able to clinch that. I don't blame them for that, but I mean, just to have this team in the World Series is insane. Yeah, I I totally agree with you, Sam. I mean, the journey has been been something else. Uh, of course, it, just all the milestones, the first playoff appearance in over a decade. You get the first home playoff atmosphere, like you were saying, in the series against the Braves after defeating the Cardinals. And now go into the World Series for the first time in 13 years. I mean, this th- this team, yeah, as, as, as you kind of chronicled, has been through a lot this season. And I think it's it, it goes to show the the credit, again, not only with the superstars, because, of course, Harper has been the best player on the field here in the playoffs, but the guys around the edges, the bullpen, the Sir Anthony Dominguez, uh, the, the Jose Alvarado stepping up in the bullpen. and Someone who we wouldn't have figured seeing would be in this position. Jose Alvarado has been awful his first couple of years with the Phillies. Whenever he would come out, I would get anxious. Just we, Yeah, we were there at the game last happen. year where, he, where we were like, oh, no, Alvarado coming in. And it took him being sent down to the minors for him to come back a completely transformed pitcher and sometimes that's all it takes sometimes you just have to go to that lower level to work on your mechanics and become better obviously that gave him the spark to be better sir anthony dominguez unfortunately he did pitch well gave up a couple runs it made it three to two uh, i think the weather had something to play with that as well the mound was a little slick and um definitely affected his uh pitching mechanics and uh on his fastball, especially getting away from JT Romuto, but the offense came back and responded, and then Alvarado came in and closed the door. That's what that's what a good team does. You respond and you close it, and that's exactly what they did tonight. And they had to to become to be, get to the World Series for the first time in 
since 2009 when they lost to the Yankees. I believe it was a six-game series. They lost 4-2, to two, unfortunately. But Speaking of the Yankees, Sam, all right, I know what you stop about the Phillies, and rightfully so, but let's switch gears a little bit to the American League. Of course, we have no rooting favorites necessarily for anyone here on the podcast, at least from an American League team, but... Right now, the Yankees and the Astros, as we are presently recording, playing Game 4 where the Astros are up three games to none, they can punch their ticket to meet the Phillies in the World Series. But, Sam, any matchups really stand out? Because many people really pick the Astros and the Yankees to be in this championship series. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen the Yankees and Astros in the ALCS for, the, I think it was in the past six years, I believe it was three times times that we've seen them in the ALCS. I mean, right now it looks like the Yankees have the early lead in the in the first inning here, two to nothing. But obviously they could take one game, they could take two, but it's kind of hard it's going to be hard for them to come back. I mean, the Yankees have had a phenomenal season with Aaron Judge uh, securing the new AL home run record uh, from Roger Maris. Their pitching has been really good too with Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez. Uh, Nestor Cortez having a fantastic year. Uh, was possibly in the Cy- AL Cy Young running, maybe not so much right now, but um, he's had a great he's had a great year so far. Their bullpen with uh, Clay Holmes, I know, has taken over a lot of the closing role with uh, Arolas Chapman doing certain injury things slash not really showing up to practice at all, but. Who, who wants to show up to practice in a playoff chase? Like, we talking about practice. Oh, this is like an Allen mid. Iverson situation. We talking about practice. Uh, yeah, but uh, even though. Even though you're in the MLB, you still kind of got to show up to practice. Um, but Jake, if they, I'm really worried about the Phillies facing the Astros, and the reason is that we saw the we saw them play them in the last um, three games of the season, the regular season. Uh, we saw them beat Lance McCullers. That's that was actually the game that clinched their wild card spot. They were able to beat Lance McCullers, but I saw those last two games against Justin Verlander and Framber Valdez, and uh, oh boy. Um, Justin Verlander carried a no-hitter into the fifth inning and had 10 strikeouts and was relieved in five innings. And that bullpen definitely cleaned up, and they would have had a combined no-hitter if it wasn't for Garrett Stubbs, who hit a single in the top, in I believe it was the bottom of the ninth, for them to not be no-hit. Garrett Stubbs again coming up multiple times, multiple times. But uh, I think you just point on the Astros. Don't mean to, to cut you off, but I mean, just the, the sheer dominance that they have had over the American League, really, I mean, I saw, saw the... Um, uh, just the, the, the article, just the headline of the article back in 2013, the Houston Astros go into the, the American League and just the sheer dominance that we haven't seen over a, a league in some time. Uh, uh, hearing like going back to the way the Braves had going to all those World Series in the 90s. I mean, the Astros, what, I think it's six out of the last eight years, something to that degree of either, you know, being in the championship series or going to the World Series. I mean, it's just been incredible. And still, year after year, even if they lose a guy like Carlos Correa to free agency, they can plug and play guys as long as they still have that extremely talented core. So, yeah, I'm with you. They are they are a team uh, that... 
if they, you know, can finish this final game off of a sweep, they are going to be plenty for the Phillies to deal with in the World Series. And they have such a great team, too. I mean, Jose Altuve, I don't I don't care what anyone says about him going in the ALCS, how he's been doing, but, I mean, he's just a dominant player in general on the defensive side, and when his bat goes, it, he's hitting on the ball, he's getting on base, he's stealing bases. Alex Bregman is a phenomenal hitter at the plate. Uh, he hit that three-run home run in against the Yankees for them to take a larger lead against them. Jeremy Pena being able, a young rookie taking over that spot for uh, Carlos Correa. I mean, he's been incredible too. They have really good catching depth with Martin Malinato and Christian Vasquez, both guys who have been start, who have been catching starters for multiple teams and now um, being able to kind of be in that back part. Uh, Yuli Gurriel at first base, Chaz McCormick, uh, the Millersville product from Pennsylvania. He's been doing really well. Kyle Tucker, I mean, and Jordan Alvarez. I can't even leave him out. He's been phenomenal in the DH spot. This is a very powerful team, and they've had a grasp on the AL, like you said, for a long time, going to many World Series, going to many uh, ALCSs. It's going to be tough that if they are able to clinch it tonight, the Phillies are going to have their hands full with this team. And we saw, again, at the end of the season, Justin Verlander getting almost no hit. And then Framber Valdez, uh, another guy who kind of has come up in the past couple of years, who's been a dominant pitch, left-handed pitcher, uh, also gave the Phillies trouble in their final game of the regular season. Uh, the Phillies are going to have to come up with a great strategy to beat whatever team. I mean, if you look at the Yankee side, if if I don't want to say they're not, but if the Yankees somehow pull up, I mean, you have Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton. Kind of the new Bash Bros of the Bro- of the Bronx Bombers. Uh, you know, how, you have... how much longer they're going to be the Bash Brothers in the Bronx? But yeah, true, true, true. But I mean, DJ LeMahieu, Jose Trevino, kind of coming in that catcher role for them. Aaron Hicks. A lot of those guys are. Uh, Harrison Bader has even shown his prowess with the bat recently. And then you have that rotation of Garrett Cole being pretty dominant. I mean, even young guys like Clark Schmidt, who's come kind of come up from the minors, uh, that bullpen with Clay Holmes, like I said, a lot of Brian Abreu, you're going to have to watch out for a lot of these guys. It's going to be tough for the Phillies, whoever they face in the World Series. So you kind of just have to, they're going to have to develop a plan. They're going to have to celebrate tonight. I would celebrate, but you, you're going to have to come up with a game plan really quick if you're going to face any of these AL teams. Yeah, of course. The Phillies will have five, six days to prepare. The World Series starts, and they're going to need they're going to need it too, a lot, especially for their pitching rotation. They got to get they got to hope that Wheeler is up and ready to go. Aaron Nola's up and ready to go since they recently started and pitched. You're going to have to make sure your bullpen's ready to go. I mean, you've been using Jose Alvarado, Sir Anthony Dominguez, and Zach Eflin. Those are your like big three right there who you've been using a lot to kind of close out games and kind of come in late innings. Obviously, other guys like Connor Brogdon last night was phenomenal. Uh, Andrew Bellotti came in and ate up some, ate up some innings. Zach Eflin closed it out, which was perfect. But you got to make sure that your bullpen is in check, and you got to make sure your offense is in check, too. Because if you're uh, obviously the offense just for simply producing runs, but the bullpen, we Jake, we've known this bullpen to be kind of on the iffy side. It's been the last in the MLB, and they've really turned it around. But going up against a team like the Astros, you got to make sure that those those guys are ready to go and ready to pitch at any moment for whatever happens. Yeah, the Phillies will prepare for the World Series on Friday as we continue to await as recording their opponent in the World Series.
Alright, we got baseball, the World Series on the way. But we go, got go. the middle of the season for the NFL, some teams that are really surprising. Justin, what is going on in the National Football League? Jacob, you don't know how long I've been waiting to hear those words from you. I mean, it's been, what, seven weeks since the last time we've been here, guys? It's been a hot minute. Makes me want to cry, Justin. Makes me want to cry. I know it does, but don't worry. We're back here now, and we're going to talk about some of the things that we expected and some of the things we had no idea would come. But let's first get to the expected things, of course. The number one team in the National Football League. We all saw this coming. The Buffalo Bills. Five and one, guys. And before you point at that jersey, Jacob, let me explain something to you. They are the best team in the league, regardless of any record that you see from the Philadelphia Eagles. Although we will get to them. Do not worry, we will get to them. And the reason why the Bills are the number one league is obviously their quarterback, Josh Allen, leading the NFL in passing yards as of week six with 1,980. Of course, he has 17 touchdowns on the season. He is 19 overall with the two rushing touchdowns he has as well. That's more than, I think, what, 29 teams combined? So that's that's pretty good. I gotta be honest. He is an early MVP candidate for sure. And he might even be the best quarterback in the NFL. Of course, you throw Mahomes' name in there. You throw Lamar's name in there. But he's definitely up there in the mix. And this team deserves to be the number one team. God, you make me feel like I'm on Buffalo Bills podcast here, Justin. No, I'm getting it out of the way early. Don't worry. Getting out of the way early. early. <laughs> I feel like you left out a particular name. Yeah, There's yeah. Other, other Show some well, we'll get to right that. Now. We'll get to we'll that. Get Don't worry. To... <laughs> I, I'm prepared for this. All right, all right. I'm prepared for this. It's, it's fair, Justin. We'll give the Bill. We've got to give the Bills their, their roses, man. They've, they've been great this year. Um, their only blemish, obviously, was that away game in Miami. Uh, they lost a close one. It was it's a tough game. It was yeah, tough. It was tough. tough. It was tough. The heat, the heat was, like, awful in that game. The humidity was 100%. It, it was, was terrible. You know, decision-making at the very end of the game there by some of your players was not the best. Uh, you know, staying in bounds, not going out of bounds. You know, stuff Bills fans would have pick apart there. But otherwise, they've looked great. They came back against uh, Baltimore in Baltimore. A great win. Had a, a narrow victory against the Chiefs, another great win on the record. So, yeah, the Bills are looking terrific. Uh, definitely top team in the AFC. Probably the best team in the NFL, although record would say otherwise. And so would some people from uh, about two and a half hours away here from here in State College. But, uh, yeah, Bills look terrific. Yeah, I agree. The Bills proving why they're one of the, the best teams in the league. I know many people still pegging them to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl and early Super Bowl predictions. I still am sticking with it. Of course, again, that, that's a very tough divisional game in, in Miami. Talking with a few of my uh, uh, Dolphins fans that we have around, around uh, Temple here, you know, they, they're, you know, talking the talk to and they're winning, you know, Bills. That, that's what I think I want to focus on the most. Bills are doing very well as well but th that division as a whole you look at the the other teams so far the Dolphins who got the Bills number in that game you've got they've been playing well look at the Jets what the Jets have done under Robert Sala I mean these are this is a division that you know as it stands could have two or three teams in the wild card but going back to the Bills phenomenal so far 
Um, do look to, for them to be very heavy buyers. I know there were those rumors about Christian McCaffrey, who ended up going to San Francisco in a in a four pick trade for the star running back. Some some rumors there, but I expect the Bills to be in on the running back market and in the defensive secondary, where it seems like they have you know with the injuries um, to their safeties Poyer and and Hyde, along with Tre'Davious White still coming back, look to up grade there for some teams that are selling but they have been phenomenal so far this season yeah i like that you mentioned that about the afc east because it's quite surprising honestly the fact that the jets have five wins guys five wins in the first seven games who would have thought who would have thought anyway jets fans would have thought <laughs> new york new york stand yeah. up oh wait east stand weatherford up. excuse me east, east weatherford, weatherford. Justin, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly know, know your place <laughs> All right, but speaking of the unexpected, let's get over to the NFC side of things. Let's talk about the team that I certainly didn't see will come coming in undefeated, the Philadelphia Eagles. What's going on here, Jacob? I want to hear you say it first. I I I'm gonna obviously give my takes, but first, let's hear it from an Eagles fan himself. Fly Eagles, fly on the road. Okay, I I mean I'll I'll keep the. I know Peter is not here, and I will give a more sensical approach, as the listeners of the podcast know here. Um, but yeah, I think I think that it, it's just. I, I, it's like a few weeks. It's been like, okay, this is like a trap game. They're going to lose this game, and they're going to win next week. But they just kept winning. I thought the Cardinals game that the Eagles had a few weeks ago was a game that, you know, definitely a game that they, they have lost in the past. But they were able to pull it out. A close win. I mean, they, they could have run away with the Dallas game. Dallas made it close, but... But I think this this Eagles team, the the leadership from Jalen Hurts. What did we talk about on this podcast a month, month and a half ago when we were previewing the season and why you guys picked the Cowboys, rightfully so, heading into the season to win the division. And of course, it's not out of the realm of possibilities based on you know how all those speaking of the AFC East, NFC East, how those teams are doing. But, I mean, I think it's the leadership of Jalen Hurts taking that step forward. I mean, he may not be throwing for all the touchdowns in the world, but I think it's the leadership that he is getting guys to buy into in the locker room uh, to, 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 bust, to bust their butt every, every down, every quarter, and, and feel like that they can, you know, take on anyone, that kind of mentality that's putting them in the position they are. Yeah, Nate, you got any takes on this? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, as I said, um, and Jake said, um, in our last episode of the podcast, uh, when we were talking about division predictions, you know, I think the biggest question mark going into the season was Jalen Hurts in the quarterback position for the Eagles. Um, it certainly was for me, and, you know, he has proven all the doubters, any haters wrong. He's just, you know, he's been a great leader. He's been balling out for the Eagles this year. The offenses look terrific. A.J. Brown has looked great addition to the team him and Devonte smith you know a tag team there uh two great whiteouts you have miles sanders of course in the backfield he's playing well offense looks great in the defense you can't you know show them some love they they've been terrific for the eagles this year um defensively speaking uh i know their schedule hasn't been the strongest i'm sure justin you'll t touch on that potentially but still they've they've played terrific and you know six and oh is six and oh man nfl is the nfl it's tough to win as players would say you know and the Eagles have gotten it done every week so far. And uh, 
it just, you know, at this rate, it doesn't look like they're going to slow down. I, I really don't see them losing more than maybe two or three games when it's all said and done. Yeah, the Eagles, they have looked much better than we thought. And as for the reasons why, I think that you look at Jalen Hurts, you have to say, yes, that's a big part of it. But I want to just ask you guys, I mean, Jacob, you probably know, but I just want to ask, how many touchdowns do you think he's thrown for this season? Putting my fandom on the spot here, Justin. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. Um, how many he's thrown for? I know he's run for more than he's thrown, I believe. I believe. That's just my gut is telling me that. I'm going to go with, hmm, let's see, six games in. I'll go, I'll go 11. 11 touchdowns. 11 touchdown passes. Okay. Now, Nate, what do you say? I'm going to take a stab at this. I don't think it's 11. I think it's less. I was going to say like maybe seven, six. Okay. You guys ready for this? He has... Six passing touchdowns, six rushing touchdowns. Wow. Insane. I did not see this coming. But when I look, because I, I thought like, oh, he's got to have at least like, you know, 10, 12, you know, 13 touchdown passes, and he's got six. So then I looked a little bit further, and the reason why they're winning. The research, why, the research yes, Justin yes. is doing. The reason why the, the Philadelphia Eagles are winning is not, it's, it's brilliant, because it's not because of their quarterback, all right? Uh, at the end of the day, he's doing a fantastic job, but it's because of the turnovers. They've only turned the ball over two times the entire season. While they have caused 14, a turnover differential that leaves the NFL with 12. Alright? So that's why, in my opinion, the Eagles are winning. Because their defense is causing turnovers and their offense is not turning the ball over. So yes, give credit to Jalen Hurts because he's not throwing interceptions. But at the end of the day, that is the difference. That's why they are leading the NFC right now and the entire NFL in wins. I mean, what do, what do you guys think about that at least? Crazy. I mean, great research. Clap it up for Justin for the great research there. I mean, that was that, that was a great, great stat pool. I, I did not did not know that. I know they have have I didn't know the exact numbers that they were doing well with the turnovers, but surprised with the Hertz stat there. Six and six. I thought definitely I more rushing touchdowns, but yeah, I, I think that the field position has been great. Of course, you know, some areas that still, I think, can even get better than what they have. But, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, there's going to be some losses. Maybe they lose to, you know, a team they shouldn't have. But I think, like Nate said, two, three losses, four maybe at the most, the way things are going, if th- if the way they are keeps going. I think, again, that stat speaks to the defense, Justin. I mean, uh Defense is causing turnovers, the secondary, obviously Slay. James Bradbury, you think? James Bradbury, yeah, he's been great. Got Fletcher Cox, of course, still up on the front line. Yeah, they just, they've been great. They've been getting turnovers, and obviously that puts your offense in a good position when you can do that. A differential of 12 is terrific, so. I think that just shows a great team effort in general. I, I mean, most of the time, a lot of teams will focus on their quarterback a lot of the time and expect their quarterback to be the big scores. But, I mean, if your defense can come in, Get some turnovers, maybe even get some defensive touchdowns as well. Uh, that shows just a great team effort overall. And hey, if the Eagles keep it up the whole season, we could. That's a good playoff picture for them. As I'm seeing it right now, the Eagles are the only team in the NFC worth talking about. However, they're not the only team I'm going to talk about because I want to talk about another team in the NFC East. The East this year is insane. The AFC East 
winning the most in the AFC side and the NFC East, winning the most over here. We're not going to talk about the boys, though. We're going to talk about them Giants. How about them football Giants? All right. I thought you were going to talk about the Commanders and Carson Wentz, right? Wait, who's that? <laughs> who, who's that? <laughs> the Commanders? Nah. Nah, nah, nah. No, we're going to talk about the five, the six and one, my bad, the six and one New York Giants as of today, beating the Jaguars 23 to 17, the final. It's the Dable era. It's got to be right. The the offense. Of course, the Bills fan would say it's the Dable era. But that's what the Giants fans are saying. It is. It's the Dable era. I mean, Saquon looks like his rookie season. That's, That's the Saquon we're seeing again. It is. They're the only team that I'm seeing in the NFC that could potentially, you know, make a case to be able to beat the Eagles right now. I think that honestly the Giants it's it's their it's them and the Eagles division to lose right now. Interesting. Nate Nate, if you want the floor first, you you can go ahead. Uh yeah, I mean crazy. The Giants I, as you said, completely opposite. Going into the season, I was high on the NFC West and the AFC West. And, you know, here we are week seven and it's the nfc east and the afc east who are just two juggernauts i mean i couldn't have expected it uh the giants are playing terrific under dable like you said saquon you know us penn staters we 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 have a soft spot we all love saquon he's performed absolutely fantastically this season i mean he's been great um and even daniel daniel jones i mean the guy is really um today he ran for over 100 yards i mean yeah yeah ran for over 100 yards threw for over 200 i believe um, it's a great stat line. He's been holding it down there um, for the Giants. They've been playing terrific. I weren't a pick them, Justin. I haven't been picking. I wasn't picking the Giants, you know, playing Green Bay I, and Baltimore. Picked, I picked them, like, ever since them. week two. I mean, they've yeah. just been great. They, I mean, the Giants, I, I can't believe it. So uh, they're doing terrific. The defense, obviously, is um, looking good as well. I really believe that you're looking at the NFC East, you're looking at the NFC as a whole. I think as of right now, you could make a case that Three, the three top teams from the NFC East should be getting into the, the the playoffs, you know, in the NFC, the way it's currently looking and constructed. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I want to go back again, not to, to circle back to the Eagles, but the quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones, both of them really struggling with, with turnovers so far in their young career. And Justin, of course, bringing up that statistic of limiting the turnovers on the Eagles side. But same with the Giants. The Giants are playing very sound football under head coach Brian Dable on both sides. We know, it, we know in the past years their defense has been been strong, but it's been their offense that hasn't been able to to catch up with their defense that has kept them in games, and they've lost a lot of close games in previous years. Now they're winning those close games. The offense is coming around. Daniel Jones is coming around in the offense, and yeah, as you mentioned, Saquon Barkley has been a force out of the backfield, and adding that element that Giants fans have been waiting so long for, that element of a great running back with Daniel Jones to take the pressure off of him and allow him, him, excuse me, as Justin said, to 100 yards against the Jaguars today, be able to run, run with it, and pass it through the air. 
And I think they're, they're playing great complementary football leading to this great 6-1 and one record so far. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth, Jacob. I was actually looking it up right now, about to mention the turnover differentials here, but uh, I guess uh, <laughs> I'll save it for next time, don't worry. But yeah, I just want to then move on and talk about some other teams that just, you know, not expected. I want to talk about just the entire division real quick, the AFC West division, because we came into the season super high on them. I mean, I called three of those... I called all four of those teams going to be in the playoffs, and I don't even know if there's going to be two representatives in the playoffs now because of just how poorly some of them, these teams have played. I mean, I think the Chiefs have been better than what we thought they would be. But other than that, I think the Chargers have disappointed. The Broncos have definitely disappointed. And I think that the Raiders have also very, been very disappointing. I think that they're better than the record shows, but still, it's been just a poor start to the season. So... What do you guys think about this division heading into, you know, the midway point? You know, as a Broncos fan, it's been it's been tough, uh, a tough year. Not what I personally expected coming into the season. Uh, Russell Wilson has not played well. The offense has not played well in general. Whilst defensively, I mean, yeah, they, they've played pretty good for the most part. It's really been offensive struggles and offensive problems. And I'd also say uh, coaching problems. I, I just think Nathaniel Hackett has been, to put it lightly, garbage. Utterly abysmal. He's abysmal. been awful. A terrible hire. Uh, Every loss, I think, has been his fault. Yeah, you could make that case. You really could. Play calling. I mean, they had to hire a coach to help him manage, a game-managing coach. Like, really? Like, you're the head coach, man. Come on. You should be able, you got hired for a reason to be able to go in and coach a team and manage game time situations. He just hasn't been able to do it. Play calling's been bad, especially offensively, like I said. It's not been it's not been good at all. So the, that's where the Broncos stand, uh, you know, in my opinion, it's terrible. Uh, the Raiders, as you said, I, I agree. Uh, I think they're a better team than their record shows, but still, a bad start to the year. I mean, all things considered, uh, They've lost two divisional games, obviously, to the Chiefs and to the Chargers. Then they had that uh, early loss to the Cardinals, where they let the Cardinals come back and beat them in overtime. That was a bad loss, and lost to the Titans. Finally got another win today against Houston. Um, But they just haven't looked that great, considering, you know, they got Devontae Adams in the the offseason. Everybody thought, you know, offensively speaking, they'd be, you know, one of the better teams uh, in the AFC. But they haven't looked great. And the Chargers, um, I'll say this quickly, I don't think the Chargers, you know, they haven't, I thought they'd be better. Uh, I think injuries have, you know, sort of plagued them a bit, um, defensively and offensively speaking. Um, and it's been tough, but I, th- I think that they're still, they'll be all right. Um, a tough loss today to the, to the Seahawks, who, to their credit, have been much better than I think any of us thought they would be this year. I think the Chargers will be all right. And then the Chiefs, like you said, the Chiefs have played well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely been surprising to see a poor start, I'd say, for uh, the majority of the AFC West. Yeah, I, I, I will have to agree with that. I mean, just a, such a poor start. Uh, and you look, of course, many people picking the Chargers to be that, you know, 1B to the Bills, 1A kind of situation in the AFC. Three losses so far in, you know, somewhat brutal fashion. Their defense has really underperformed in my eyes, especially with the guys that they went out and, and got to improve the run defense and improve the passing defense uh, as well. So, yeah, it's very disappointing. It's really shocking to see what is unraveling with the with the Broncos and Raiders, at least so far. Again, Raiders, I think... You know, I think they're you know, in a better spot right now than the Broncos. But 
just again shocking to see you know Russell Wilson and all the fire that that he's come under uh, the the media. Of course, you mentioned Hackett probably being the one who's you know the decisions are questioned here, but you know Russell Wilson. You see the players on the sidelines being like. You know what's what's going on. So I mean, and like, how is he? You know, getting getting them the ball. The playmakers are not getting the ball, and and their offense is is suffering because of it. But I mean, I I feel like maybe they'll they'll find their way back to five. You know, closer. I don't think it'll be this bad all season, but very very disappointing. Yeah, certainly has been a very disappointing start for that entire division. We'll have to monitor how they do as we go on. I also just want to quickly mention, of course, the uh, a little bit of injury news, I guess I should say, although it's a little bit of old news, is Tua is playing tonight. However, currently he is playing, I should say. However, he did sustain a concussion back in week four against the Cincinnati Bengals, one that we thought could keep him out for the entire season. Fortunately, it did not. However, this was under the scrutiny of the NFL for a couple of reasons, one being the fact that in the Bills game, he actually experienced uh, a similar head injury in which they did not take him out of the game for. Then in the next week, he experienced another head injury, that one seeming to be worse, and that caused the NFL to actually change the rules and have an ataxia clause, which is basically a symptom where you cannot control certain motor functions which is would explain why he was stumbling around after the initial concussion back in week three so i just wanted to get your thoughts on maybe one of the rule changes here what do you guys think think uh it's a good call or no uh yeah i I mean uh we were both there um watching it live when of course the injury occurred during the cincinnati game and you know that that was honestly that was scary um to watch live i seeing him seize up like that um you know, I wasn't sure. I I seriously thought, I think everybody thought at the time it could have been much worse than it actually ended up being, considering he's playing now, you know, only, what, a few weeks later. Um, but it, it was a scary situation. Head injuries, you know, you have to take seriously. And as you said, during the Bills game, you know, there was definitely something wrong uh, after he took that hit and got up the way he did. And the whole miss, you know, I don't know, you, whatever you want to call it, the, the medical Misdiagnosis, I mis- guess. Yes, misdiagnosis. Medical professionals clearing him to go back in that game, and obviously he probably shouldn't have. And then he played. I think this is probably for the betterment of player safety um, in the league. I think it was a good, good move. You know, you just got to be more careful, uh, especially with you know players these days. You know, head injuries are very serious. And I think it was it was a good move by the NFL uh, overall. Yeah, I I think uh, you you have to hold those those um you know professionals accountable for for this decision and and putting him putting him in 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 that kind of position of course you you uh hear uh coach um mcdaniel what it was the the dolphins head coach uh i forget his name might have been no mcdaniel's is the latest coach yes okay it is um but you just hear his quotes about you know i you know caring about the the save but but it was very visible and clear that he was not in the right mindset um shouldn't shouldn't have been put back out there in that situation and uh, as nate mentioned could have been way more serious of course uh, unconscious rushed to the hospital uh, and it's great to see him back out there now but definitely a, a situation that had to be investigated had to be looked at and 
had to let those you know professionals go. I mean, that's a decision that comes down to player safety, uh, especially now when they're cracking down on the concussion protocol and the targeting penalties and stuff like that. I mean, this is a, a very serious issue that, that should not be taken lightly just to rush a guy, a star player, in a game back out there. Yes, of course. Now, lastly, I just want to mention the trade, at least from me. You guys can also mention other things if you're willing to. But, you know, I just wanted to mention, of course, the fact that Christian McCaffrey was traded from the Carolina Panthers to the San Francisco 49ers for a second, third, fourth round pick in 2023 and a fifth rounder in 2024. Now, I just wanted to ask your quick opinions on what do you think uh, for both teams, really? What do you think uh, you would grade these, I guess, is what I'm trying to ask. Well, you and me did discuss this, Justin, uh, especially referred the uh, some of the ESPN experts grade for the, the trade, um, which I, did, I personally disagreed with. I, you know, I think it was a good move for the 49ers to go out and pick him up. He's an all-star running back, somebody they can use, especially this year in a, a weaker NFC conference. Um, I think it was a good pickup for them. If I'm Carolina, I feel like, you know, McCaffrey's worth maybe a little bit more draft-wise, uh, draft pick compensation, personally, but... It, Not taking overall, in that inj- injury history? Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Well, that that's a good point, Jake. I mean, still, I just... The guy's been so good, you know. When he's not injured, you know, he's been fantastic for the most part. So, good move. I think, and I think you know, Carolina rebuilding time. It's time to move on. And, you know, those picks are only going to help them, you know, down the line, rebuild, so... Definitely a good move for the 49ers, and yeah, I just think it was time for the Carolina to move on. So overall, a good, a good move for both teams. I'd say San Fran got the better of it, though. Better. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I would give, if we're handing out grades, putting on my professor's hat here, getting on Canvas or whatever grading app that you guys have here, I'd give the 49ers a B plus. And I, I'd give the Panthers a, you know, B minus B. I think they were able to get, you know, four picks. Um, you know, of course, as Nate said, you would want to get a first round pick for a guy like Christian McCaffrey, a difference maker like that. But I think you have to take into consideration the injury history, how he, how much time he has been on the field for them in recent years. And, and yeah, I think looking at Carolina, you fire the head coach, Matt Rule, the, the former, uh, you know, Baylor Temple College coach comes on. He doesn't have really a quarterback to work with. I mean, that's, you know, kind of been in play as well throughout his entire tenure. But, you know, there's not a ton of talent around that anyways. So they give him the boot. You trade away, trade away, excuse me, Robbie Anderson to the Cardinals. And, and now McCaffrey to the 49ers and possibly more. But I think McCaffrey a good deal for both teams um, based on their situations. Yes, I actually, I did change my thoughts a little bit, Nate, from when we talked. I actually gave the, Pan- the Panthers here, I gave a B plus. I think that they got a lot of value from those picks you know four draft picks that's that's quite a bit and they also they got rid of a guy that was taking up a lot of cap space he's a very good player of course but injury is of course another factor you have to take into account so with those i think that they'd made a good move for them it was time to move on as you said nate so i do believe that it was the right decision for them and for the 49ers i'm giving them a b minus i think that they didn't need a running back 
I mean, he's a difference maker, yes, but they did need one. They have Elijah Mitchell coming back soon from IR. They have a good running back in Jeff Wilson Jr. It's not a position of need for them. I think that Bro, they... you're, you are just salty because your long-term fantasy plan was to have Elijah Mitchell come off the IR and you put him into your starting lineup. Come on, I thought you were going to say because you're salty that the Bills didn't get McCaffrey. No. Yeah, he's mad about Well, he's salty about that, too. Dude, he's a def- McCaffrey's a definite upgrade over accuse Mitchell me of what or you Wilson want. Jr. He's a, he is an upgrade, I, I am accusing you of that. Not, I am, because you told me that. They didn't need him. They didn't need him. Come on, it's a good move for him. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just sorry. saying. I I'm think sorry. that this one will pan out for the Panthers a little more. I just, I, I think that it will. A weak NFC this year, bro. You had an all-star like McCaffrey? Don't matter. Chuba Hubbard, he performed very well in that first game against a very good defense so dude, I who think cares that... who cares about the panthers dude this is about the 49ers here this is about the panthers about they fleeced the 49ers jake get in here help me out here please i i mean i i think it can be evenly said here i i mean yeah i mean i'm not, but i'm not gonna go as far as to say fleeced i, well, I think I the 49ers got better mccaffrey is better than elijah mitchell i think that's clear but I wouldn't go as far to say fleeced. I think both teams got value. That's fair. That's, that, that, and that's, that's what I'm, fair. That's what I'm that's saying, fair. too. Yes, of course. Pretty I'm even trend as well. Well, that will do it for this episode of the Lunch Hour Sports Podcast. Thank you all for listening for future episodes. Check out YouTube and on Spotify. And thank you, Anchor, for once again sponsoring this episode of the Lunch Hour Sports Podcast. Once again, thank you for listening. Tune in next time.